Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Dr. Mark Boom, who's the president and CEO of Houston Methodist. And the U.S. News and World Report ranked you guys as number one hospital in Texas for several years in a row now. And if you're a small company, that's one thing, but you've got over 20,000 employees and serve a whole lot of people. And not only are you doctor, but you're also, you got your MBA. So it just is amazing. I'm of course curious how in the world you managed all that in these times. But first of all, I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yes. So a lot of people are wondering, how do you find the time to lead an organization like that, to be so successful? And then I hear you still practice yourself to stay in touch with what it's like to be a doctor and serve people hands-on, so to speak. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you manage your time and, and your ability to do all that? Sure. Very early on when I was actually, if you look back with the benefit of hindsight, even as a medical student, but really probably really recognized it big time as a resident, got interested in both the one-on-one relationships and I'm a primary care physician. So I love those long-term longitudinal relationships, but also really getting to impact things on a, on a greater scale. So that's when I sought out additional training, ended up uh, getting an MBA and ultimately uh, kind of going down the administrative route within hospitals. But as you identified, I I still see patients. It's a a very small number. I've got about 100 patients in a primary care practice, most of whom I've cared for for now 20 plus years, or in in many cases, I may have three generations of a family in those 100. So that's incredibly Mm -hmm. satisfying to me. That part's busy, but of course, that's the, that's not most of my time. Most of my time is leading a system. And I guess my number one thing would be to say, and this is obviously, I have the privilege of leading an organization. So I have so many great people working with me. So I mean, the number one thing in terms of balancing time and ability to get a lot done is really identifying and leading and really frankly coaching the best team you can possibly do. And that is something I'm very proud of here in our institution. Yeah. And I noticed that you lead by the values. And when I first saw that it was integrity, compassion, accountability, respect, and excellence, I was like, okay, well, that's that's pretty cool. And then I realized the acronym is I CARE. And I heard you used to do bagels and boom early in your career. So can you talk to us a little bit about the importance of that? Sure. So I I can't overemphasize how important it is for an institution to be successful, to be driven by its values. And a lot of time we see lip service paid to that. And and ours is an institution where that is not lip service. In fact, it is so deeply embedded and so intentional. So we are very intentional about structuring those, about developing those reinforcing those, and frankly, keeping the organization and keeping all of us as as team members of the organization on track. And so when I think about the institution, I mentioned my pride in the immediate team that works with me, but really as the leader of institution, you get to be proud in the achievements of the others on the team. And in fact, an institution like ours couldn't be number one in Texas or couldn't achieve all the great things it does without really having incredible alignment across the board. And so we have aligned 26,000 employees, several thousand affiliated physicians. I mean, you go walk around our institutions, ask anyone, and you will have them rattle off those five very wonderful values. And so we recognize that you have to have employees aligned. You also have to have them engaged. They need to be proud of the institution. They need to enjoy coming to work. They need to have a sense of purpose and understand why they're there. And of course, we have an advantage in healthcare, right? We know we have a purpose. Uh, We're there to help humankind. In fact, this year with COVID, nowhere have we seen that more. 
And I'm very happy uh, that, you know, we year after year have our employee engagement scores that we look at in the 97th or 98th percentile nationally. So really, we are a benchmark institution for many others in healthcare, and that enables us to achieve many great things because we've got such aligned, engaged fantastic employees really across the board. That is very impressive. So, and there's a lot of leaders right now who are struggling with employee engagement. If, and we could go into everybody has different opinions as to why. But what would you say its purpose as well as values? Or why do you think you still have such level of engagement? Yeah, I come back to that word intentional. It, this is not something that just happens. If I actually were talking with my board. And when I give some leadership conversations with young managers, executives, or, or people desiring to be in those kinds of role in healthcare, and I talk about some of the, the kind of early things to, to understand. One is how incredibly intentional and purposeful we need to be around values. So if you put together any group of individuals, whether that's your family, whether that's your faith institution or a club you belong to, or an employer, an institution like ours, there will be a set of values. It will exist. The great institutions know what those values are. They nurture them. They grow them. They bat down the values that creep in that they don't want. The lucky institutions may get a good set of values, even though they're not intentional. But the most, the majority of institutions that aren't in those two categories, they end up with whatever happens. And oftentimes, whatever happens is not what you want. And so you have to really be very intentional, call out what that is, and then figure out how to sort of bind people to the institution. So let me give you an example. So this year with COVID mm -hmm. in the spring, it's the middle of April, things are shut down, everybody's terrified, everybody's frightened. I mean, the institution here, as so much of our economy has, is bleeding money. And our employees are, on the front lines in some cases, but some cases they're home because we don't have to work for them right now. And they're sitting there wondering, how am I going to stay safe? How am I going to stay healthy? And how am I going to stay employed and feed my families? And so we very purposely focused on the safety of our employees who were here, but very quickly recognized that with all of that angst out there, we couldn't engage our employees if we could not reassure them. And we made a promise to them in the depth of those times to say, no furloughs, no layoffs, no pay cuts. We will do everything we can to avoid those. Those will be a point of last resort. Obviously, you can't go ad infinitum as we were in April. And we lived up to that and we lived up to that this year. And so we've not had one of those things happen in our institution. That's the kind of trust you have to build and figure out how to do that. Now, that required a board of directors who's so wonderful working with me saying, you know what, this year we're in the middle of a pandemic. Finances are never our primary goal, but they're at the bottom of the list this year. This is how we are going to respond to a pandemic, how we're going to care for our employees, how we're going to care for our community. We'll figure out the finances later. And of course, we were in a good position of having strong finances going in and a long history of strong finances that enabled that. But that's just one very concrete example of how you really have to think about the lens of being an employee here and how we protect them and how we value them and how they know they really, in order to have patients come first, they come a close second to that to make sure that we can care for our patients. Yeah, well, I can definitely see the importance of that. And I guess back to your integrity value, you keep Sounds like you definitely keep your word and you do it by your actions, not just your words. And then back to your earlier point about making sure you hire well to be able to delegate and lead the way you do. How do you discern if someone is a match with your values? That's a that's a really great question. So 
institutionally, we have put in place processes where there is behavioral interviewing. There are other things that, that individuals do so we can understand and uh, deep dive into their, into their value structure to make sure it's aligned. I mean, first and foremost, we're very clear cut what they are. We're very clear cut what the ex expectations are. And we're very clear cut in saying it's okay if you can't, if, if those aren't your values and you can't live up to those, but this isn't the right place for you. So a great deal of it happens on that front. And I will speak personally, I spend a lot of time with senior leaders in the institution or potential senior leaders in the institution. But if you ask the most important thing, right, if I'm hiring a new, I'll pick one chief financial officer. I, I did an upgrade seven, eight years ago who does, a, who does a great job. But when you're hiring that kind of individual or others, I'm just using that as an example, you're going to sit with that person and you're going to be given a lot of highly qualified people who could be CFO at an institution like this, but not all of them are as qualified or as good a fit here with the institution and with the values. And so I spend a great deal of time looking for that fit. When I think of one of the reasons we're very successful, we have a very tight, cohesive senior team mm. who's not afraid to sit in a room and disagree with each other respectfully, who's not afraid to disagree with me and walk into my office and tell me when they think I'm doing something that's not the best thing to do. But also who are willing as part of a team when we walk out of a room and make a decision to lock arms um, wherever they were on that discussion and say, this is the decision of the team and this is the direction of the institution. And so to do that, it really does take somebody with those very values. And that's frankly, one of the most important things I can do as a leader is to recruit that way and bring people in and manage them as, as a team leader that way. Yes, I'm glad to hear that you're able to share the importance of the values match, so to speak, because you're into long-term relationships and, and I agree with you, that's a foundation for it. So then some leaders might be wondering, did you ever have a blind spot about that when you were hiring someone? Or, I mean, it's it's easy for me to find what you value. So I was wondering, do sometimes people tell you that or, or tell us a little bit about any of the struggles or challenges you may have had in the process of that? Yeah, sure. Um, that's a great question. And this discussion about culture, I can't overemphasize it. So let me let me tell you a little story about some learnings I had along the way. Ultimately, probably one of my blind spots and one that I always have to remind myself as well. And I think some of that just goes to human nature. Some of that goes even to the values I talk about where compassion is one of those values. Some of that goes to being a physician where I'm taught and have had the wonderful privilege of caring for people from every walk of life, but also helping as a primary care physician people through some of their toughest hours, but also caring for many people who you might not agree with some of the choices they make in life or some of the problems they have or who don't listen to you when you are talking to them and, and trying to help them change. And so mm. it's an amazing privilege, but it gives you this sort of probably predilection as a physician leader to sometimes be very compassionate and give people the benefit of the doubt and sometimes too long. So pretty early in my career, I, I came into a new leadership position. It was a turnaround. I needed to get some things functioning better. And if I'm honest with myself now, I look back, I knew within 48 hours that I had a key team member who wasn't up to the task didn't fit the values, didn't fit the structure, and really couldn't get the job done. But I was young. I was a little bit inexperienced. And frankly, I kind of had that compassion to know I can work with him. I can help him be better and everything else. And I ended up waiting about six months to do what I should have done in four days. I mean, five days, six days, something. I mean, I should have 
had some difficult conversations early on. Honestly, it ended up being better for the individual and better for the institution because that individual wasn't a good fit. They weren't performing the way they needed to, but they could be a good fit elsewhere. And then for the institution, of course, they weren't getting the job done. And that's a tough one. And I've found myself honestly having to remind myself over time that part of being kind of the, the a guardian of the culture and really focusing on the culture and the values of the institution is really acknowledging when somebody's just not a right fit and that it's better for them to be someplace else. And so thankfully, it's not a frequent event, but I don't care whatever level you are, um, sometimes that is necessary. And I have had to look a senior person in the institution in the eye and say, you're not a good fit here anymore. Something you did is not consistent with our values and um, really is not recoverable as a senior leader and time for you to look elsewhere. And honestly, that ultimately does a favor for the individual. And of course, it's critically important for the institution. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that piece. It's probably a, one of the most costly to the entire organization. If it's not a match, it affects everybody. And there's another place where they are a match. I heard you say earlier, there's no judgment about whether you value the same things or not. Let's just be truthful about are we a match or not? Exactly. So as we start to wrap up the show, I don't know if you have any last tips for leaders regarding leading their company during these times where there's still some question marks around COVID? Or is there anything that you would say is different about leading people through times of crisis that you could share with us as we wrap up? Sure. I think at the end of the day, if you have to dramatically change who you are as a leader during a crisis, you're probably not really leading the right way in normal times. Now, that let me be clear. That's not to say your style doesn't change. So in the height of a crisis, we tend we tend to very appropriately be a little more command and control, a little more rapid decision making, a little more, hey, right now I can't really explain to you the decision, but I need to make it and we need to move. And later we can talk about that. But even so, during the vast majority of time, I think it's the same pattern as, as what you would see in normal times. And to me as a leader, the most effective ones think of themselves as a coach. And I don't want to overdo a sports analogy, but what does a coach do? A coach helps people be the best at what they can be. And so let me tie that to the pandemic in my role. Because I had one of the world's greatest operational leaders in Roberta Schwartz at Houston Methodist to run the day-to-day -day operations, be our incident command, because I had fantastic physician leadership, fantastic academic leadership. I had person running the lab who was a month ahead of the rest of us in getting our laboratory testing up and running and all those kinds of things. It enabled me to really focus on, okay, how do I motivate the team? How do we direct the team? How do we get the most out of the team? And how do we fulfill our sacred obligation as, as healthcare leaders? And so when you think of yourself as coach, you don't sit there now to get deeper into sports analogy thinking, how am I going to step up there and be the pitcher? You're saying, how do I help help the pitcher be the very best pitcher out there so we can win the game? And that's really how I see my role. Some of that selecting the right talent. Some of that sometimes is asking people to move on, as we just talked about. But most of that is helping people be motivated, help them see the purpose in what they do, helping take down the obstacles when they face obstacles. Sometimes only you can do as the leader that have rung up from them in an institution and helping make it fun and purpose. And this has been a year where fun's a hard word to use for sure. It hasn't been, but it mm -hmm. has been purposeful. I mean, this has been a year where all these people say, this is what I trained for. This is why I went into medicine. This is why I'm a hospital executive or a hospital administrator. And we're all going to look back on 2020 pride that it was pinnacle of many people's career in terms of the service they provided to the community. And that's something I, I think will be one of the, the bright lights of this year among a lot of difficult times. 
Yes. And you've been a bright light in being on this podcast. And I know leaders will appreciate hearing your wisdom and purpose and, and fun. I hear that it's also one of your success formulas. You have fun playing pinball. <laughs> Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, there's a rumor out there about that. But yeah, I sort of rediscovered it in my upper middle age now. And it's, it has been honestly one of those things I can just sort of turn off for a few minutes and, and enjoy. And we as leaders all need to do that as well, particularly during difficult times like this. Yeah. So may you continue to have your purpose and have fun so that you can continue to lead for a long, long time. And thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.